This podcast is brought to you by the Oatmeal Wallet, available exclusively at tacticaloatmeal.com. Go buy yourself an Oatmeal Wallet, and when you go to check out, use the code COUCHCAST to save yourself 10%. Hey everybody, it's Josh Eggleston. Welcome back to JobCast. Joining us today, we've got Alex co-hosting again and someone named Adam again. But it's a different Adam and a different job. This Adam is a firefighter. Dude's pretty cool. Awesome conversation with this guy. Uh, talks about running into burning buildings and stuff. You know what? You're going to really dig this one. So let's just let him take it away. Ryan kicked the music. Well, I tend to try to put a story together whenever I speak, and so I, I feel like the first thing I need to talk about is either Alex, meeting Alex, and hearing about her interview with you. Yeah, um, how'd you meet? We were out for, uh, just my guys were getting out, and um, it was an amazing day, beautiful day. Uh, it was a little warm where we were sitting, and there was this group of four girls not too far from my group of four guys. And everybody was swe- like starting to sweat because of the sun coming in the vinyl uh, porch. <laughs> it was really aggressive. It was pretty hot. Aggressive sunlight? Like yeah. I had to take off multiple layers of clothing. Yeah. And, and, and to stop that from going any further. <laughs> this we- is probably how you meant. <laughs> but <laughs> There was skin involved, actually. That comes up in a, just a second. But my buddy starts unzipping the, uh, the, the windows because they're made out of vinyl. And her group of girls just starts cheering because it's such a benefit to them and all of us really. Uh, and then her friend Ruth starts saying, take it off. Just screaming, take it off. (laughs) (laughs) To Adam, not me. Just to clarify. Sure. But always, always a good invitation to talk to somebody. (laughs) Right. And so I went ahead and almost took my shirt off. It's true. Which made an immediate connection. (laughs) (laughs) And so we surprise, decided, surprise. right, right. So I think that was, that was really how it started. And so then I went over to talk to their table and, mm-hmm. uh, you did. yeah. And it was, it was just a full, I don't know, three or four hours from then on. Uh, it's a long time. We lost track of time. I don't know if that was because of alcohol or. No, it was conversation. Yeah. In fact, if you recall, there combination was combination of both. There was no alcohol involved. They go really well hand in hand. I've, I've discovered throughout this show. So. <laughs> That's kind of what we're relying on in this one. So okay, yep, <laughs> that's right. That's the fuel to this. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's how I met Alex. She told me we started talking about things we were interested in. I was really interested in her work because it coincided with my work uh, with the public health in the city of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, hers is incredibly interesting because it really deals with mental health, which is not something that I'm skilled in. I'm more uh, I'm trained on the the clinical side. Of, of public health. Um, but I was really interested in what she had to say. And she talked about having done a podcast, which also struck a chord because I'd been pretty engrossed in podcasts recently. 
So I made a point to to uh, subscribe to yours and start listening Thank to it. Thank you. Flattered. Very. You should be. Um, because a couple of weeks later, when I listened to it, I was you know, pretty impressed not only with uh, the content, but just how the production quality. So, um, Shout out to Ryan. What's up? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, that's how this whole thing started. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I feel like my, my job's fairly interesting and could be a value to somebody who's listening. Thanks, man. So, okay. The first thing that I understood, because apparently you have multiple things you can discuss, which is fantastic. The first thing I understand is that you were a fireman. Yes. So how often, and is it all the time, that you're rescuing cats from trees? No. Or is it never? No? <laughs> I actually have a, man, there's a, there's a certain affinity I have for cat rescues because these actually happen then well they've happened before awesome not as often as you would think because as my captain always said to the person who called 911 how many cat skeletons do you see in a tree these days this is true zero it's a very good point that's that's what everybody She's should like realize. that's because you guys are there well <laughs> so what everybody should realize is there are no cat skeletons cats don't die in trees they, no they get up and down just fine by themselves my solution to anybody calling to get their cat out of the tree is to get the fire hose out (laughs) (laughs) and my captain's always like no you can't do that right so so you actually would arrive for that call or you have before absolutely that's one of the things that made me leave the department was there was no filtering for what we would respond to that's something mark talked about is people would people would arrive just you know Really, really minor issues. Well, that's the majority. See, I got into it because I thought I was going to save lives. But what ended up happening was I was just driving people to the hospital for needs that they didn't have the ability to take care of themselves. Self-interest. Well, a lot of it, yeah. I mean, there was a multitude. Secondary gain, or as I like to call it. I mean, sometimes it was, I know the hospital has heat and I haven't paid my my electricity bill. So I know it's a, a place I can be for the night and they've got sandwiches there for all their patients. So. That's something that I can capitalize on. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just the free ride to get there. Basically. And I should probably specify, I mean, I was in, in the city of Dallas and most cities in Texas, you're a firefighter and a paramedic. So you spend one day where your responsibility is on the ambulance answering medical calls. And then maybe the next shift you're on the fire engine handling uh, fire related calls or the cats in the trees type calls. So... Here, this is probably a weird question because anything that you get called to is an emergency and someone is having a bad day. Yep. But that being said, which calls do you prefer? Man, that's a good question. Um, this gets into my personality, but I really wish that my favorite types of calls were ones where I felt like I was actually providing something that that person was completely out of a normal person's ability to take care of. Like it was, uh, got hit by a car or I was enjoying a ride on my motorcycle and this guy pulled out in front of me, you know, something that really went bad, but it wasn't because the person had forgotten to pick up their meds from the hospital or the mm-hmm. pharmacy or, um, something like that. Or they weren't watching their kids and they fell out of their second story window or something like that. So, um, well, let me take that back. Cause I would love to take care of a kid whose parents are negligent because that's what I'm there for. I'm there to, you know, help people save lives. Um, so that, yeah. Yeah, it was it was those types of calls where I was able to calm a person down and, and tell them, listen, everything's going to be okay. We know how to treat this. 
So you're actually, when you're actually doing what you had hoped the job would be, that's the job, the, the calls that you prefer. And that, I, would, I wouldn't mind if I had 25 of those calls a day and I got 10 minutes of sleep, I would, that would not be a problem. So, okay, I guess that takes me to my next question is, uh, this is something that I, I don't believe I asked Mark, which I'm not sure why. He's one of my best friends, but uh, uh, I guess that's probably, part, probably why. It's just a weird question to ask, I guess. How do you handle that? how do you handle seeing all the crazy stuff you see and maintain this desire to continue doing it and not be just beat down by it? There's some guys who did that a lot better than I did. Um, I feel like the guys who were able to do this as a career and do it for 20 to 30 years were able to disconnect from, uh, a little bit of emotion. Um, I had a hard time and I just, again, it's kind of my personality. I had a real hard time seeing some of the kids, you know, in emergencies, um, but I feel like those guys just to do their jobs had to disconnect from, from those people being people, you know what, maybe I hope that makes sense. Like I remember in the midst of a, a major trauma, I had to turn that person into more of a, a machine, like a, a mechanic would look at a car and say, okay, I know that this fluid's supposed to stay in this hose. This one's, you know, this is where this is messed up and fix that to the same degree. I had to figure out, okay, this fluid is not supposed to be on, on the highway. Yeah, you know, this is what we need to treat, or you know, this this machine is going to stop working. So, yeah. but I would do that, but then I would go back to the station, and then I would have a real hard time emotionally just dealing with what I just seen. On the back end of that, for you, Adam, because um, I can speak to this as well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. When we were talking about that, you know, the secondary gain aspect of it, did you notice that your demeanor would change? with how you were relating to your patients in terms of frustration and that resentment that comes along with that in terms of utilizing a service for something that may not be really warranted. That's absolutely the case. It's, and I have to, I have to really humble myself to say that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I did. I had a hard time. Um, one of the reasons I got out was because I was no longer what I thought was, uh, Mm -hmm. I was no longer, um, how do I put this well and authentically? I wasn't serving the community like I wanted to. Right. If that makes sense. Because I, I had. No, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I became a cynic. I felt like I'm no longer able to do this duty, you know, with, with the amount of um, objectivity mm-hmm. and compassion that I would want to, or I feel like these people deserve. Um, and I had a real hard time. I remember looking at my buddy, Don Kirby. And telling my captain, I don't know how he does it, but I really wish I could do this job as well as he could because he does not get bothered by this stuff like I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely that. Mm-hmm. That was a major reason why I was like, you know what? I can't treat people like this. Yeah, it's really hard when you go into that profession with the right intentions of wanting to save and wanting to help. But yet at the same time, you're finding yourself having all these negative reactions as well that could be just as strong and it's very confusing Mm -hmm. because you don't know why you're involved in the first place and i've had similar experiences like that you know doing the crisis work where i have those great cases and i'm like yes i did something really positive and then i go to the next place and i'm just like why am i here what am i doing why is this person calling, you know, they could problem solve this and they're just utilizing the system for something of that's very, you know, monetary. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard. It is tough. Um, I, I found it, it helped me build a philosophy for what human beings are really about. And I feel like there's two things that I, I gained. I learned that they only do what they're taught to do. 
feel mm-hmm. like that's a universal truth that they're only they only do what they see succeed. So mm-hmm. if that's what their parents do, then most kids are going to replicate that. Absolutely. Um, and also, uh, there's whenever that's what you see, it doesn't usually get better. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's kind of like nature always goes to entropy, like it always wants to fall apart, uh, and it takes energy for it to go to something that's more that, that's better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really tough to change that direction, Absolutely. and that's pretty deep for what we're talking about but i feel like socially i gain those two perspectives so i actually have a lot more sympathy for people who have never seen you know more success or more resources or uh, their parents strive for better because they're just not taught that so Mm -hmm. i need to be more sympathetic to that but i had a real hard time with it it's hard to reinforce to yourself that principle because in the moment, there's a lot of just... Well, there was me, you know, mm-hmm. getting 45 minutes of sleep a day mm-hmm. and knowing, man, I'm going to be worthless tomorrow when I would really like to enjoy my, my days off. Mm-hmm. Was that because there's just constant calls? Or is it just hard to, like, wind down after something serious just happened? That's, that's a great question, and really both. Mm-hmm. Um, at the station that I was at, uh, we called it the Big House. We had... It's one of the busiest stations in Dallas. Uh, it's in a... It's in a community that's there's over a hundred apartment complexes in my district and it's one of the bigger districts in Dallas and it's the majority of them are section eight like government assisted Mm -hmm. living homes so funny enough it's in north Dallas though or northeast Dallas Um, so we had the highest one of the highest call volumes in in the entire city is there higher so there's higher call volume for I guess uh, less affluent people that's that's what I found out. Absolutely. Yes. And because they rely on the system for their medical care and more than their medical care a lot of the times. Um, doesn't it cost money, though, when you're getting taken by an EMT or an ambulance to a hospital? Isn't that expensive? It is. Uh, I think Dallas averages, just for transportation alone, about an $800 ambulance bill. Um, these people, though, because... And this isn't a judgment. This is just the statistics. They're pretty transient. They don't stay in the same place for very long. So trying to track them down to get them to pay a bill like that is nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. So they don't – we charge – where it might cost the, the city of Dallas 80 bucks to actually drive a person to the right. hospital for gasoline, the ambulance itself, my salary, the equipment we could use. Um, we charge 800 just to recoup maybe – 10% of the people who call, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the expense is high. Um, the bill is high, but act, what we actually recoup or what they recoup is if I, if I remember the statistics, right, it's less than 10%. And I think it can be hard knowing that information because at the same time you're, when it comes down to it, it's still a business. There's still, you know, gain and losses with that. And so yeah. When you're having those kind of persistent calls, you know, I can imagine that being something that you're aware of, even though the patient isn't, of, you know, the detriment it can cause of the money we're spending when it's not really a crisis in terms of what we would normally perceive as a crisis. So let's talk about that then. Crisis versus not a crisis. So what is something that you're like, absolutely call an ambulance, call... Yeah. 911, whatever. Um, there's a, well, I feel like we had this saying, like the people who need us don't call us and the people who don't need us call us. 
Hmm. Like so often, and I, this is me growing up as a suburban white kid. You know, I had a perspective. I never called 911 in my life. You know, mm-hmm. if, even when I broke my collarbone, you know, I had my buddy drive me. When my brother broke his, uh, broke his, um, his ulna, you know, he had family members to call him. But when these people run out of medications and they get a headache, they call us. You know, their blood pressure medication they haven't taken in three months. And they're like, well, I need to call 911. Like, no, you really just need to go. You need to go get your medication, you know. Hmm. You need to be proactive. But then again, I feel like I'm passing judgment on these people who probably haven't been taught better than this. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, it's just part of their indoctrination, for lack of a better term, that this is how they're going to do it. So I, when I told you I would love to be up for 24 hours straight if what I was answering was the motorcycle crash or um, the family van, you know, the drunk driver hit them, uh, or the heart attack that completely came out of nowhere for the 40 year old, 43 year old guy. Um, that's great. I, I, I was engrossed in that. I joined for that. Um, I was ready for that. Uh, but whenever somebody just doesn't have them, they don't have, they haven't just, they've decided not to spend money on their medication. That's $6 at Walmart, but instead they've got a 60 inch TV in their, in their living room. Or they're seeking Xanax or some other. Yeah illegal substance or could be perceived as in order to get high, which I got a lot of those calls. So (laughs) that's where I had, that's where I had this dissonance in my head. Like I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to pat again. I I try not to make a judgment call on this, but that's where I didn't understand that. And it aggravated me. That's what I was spending my time and energy on Mm -hmm. uh, and losing sleep on uh, was to, was to help these people who didn't know any better. When Mm -hmm. I, when I thought, that most normal people should. So, okay. That being said, when you've got all these calls coming, uh, that may not be warranted. Is that at the expense of calls that are valuable, that people actually need help? I can tell you for a fact because I saw it. Yeah, it absolutely is. Whenever I'm, whenever I'm making a call that's two blocks from the station for somebody who uh, has a toothache that they've had for three days. And people then I call for toothaches. I've, I've yeah. been woken up, at 2.30 in the morning for a woman who had a toothache for two weeks and she decided to call me then um, or call 911 then and I was just unfortunately on the ambulance that day, night Um, and then I get back in the ambulance with her and I look at the screen and there's a patient also in my district that I can't respond to who's having a heart attack at that exact same time and they're having to send an ambulance from five miles away Mm -hmm. so it's just by it's not by priority it's by proximity wow proximity and time so if she called first with her toothache she trumps the guy who's having a heart attack and you know a major need oosh yeah that is like the most being a dispatcher for that would be really ridiculous yeah i mean they have like the bird's eye view on what's really going on in the city yeah and they have to dissociate themselves from from what's going on because i'm sure they would be like hey adam drop the toothache, go get the heart attack. You know, but right. legally, sure. they're not allowed to. They can't. Right, because there's... There needs to be a workaround for that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the same. Yeah, I feel absolutely the same. And, and again, so this... I mean, I don't mind getting into this because I don't think the department... Uh, I think they understand my dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of um, things that need to be worked around just for the for better prioritization of, of care. I feel like there's... You guys have to... I mean you have to have some kind of measure against that. Like say a horrible, horrible thing happens. There's a mass shooting somewhere. Yeah. You're not still gonna. No, legally I am 
I am absolutely consumed by the patient that called first. Mm-hmm. That is the case. Now, I'm not going to say, like, I can, think of, I can think of guys who would be like, listen, lady, I'm, I'm not going to take you to the hospital. Guess what just came across? We've got a bus crash on the highway. Right. Sit your ass down because we're going to go take care of this. I, I feel like I would do that. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't care about the repercussions afterwards from maybe, you know, the audit that happened, you know, when they investigated <laughs> that call that Why I... Why did you choose the children on the school bus, Adam? Yeah, I, I'd be like, <laughs> you know what, fire me. You right, know, if exactly. that's where your value system is, then great. <laughs> I don't yeah. see that working out poorly. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I don't see how that could really backfire. What's that kind of brings up a point. There's a lot of latitude that firefighters and paramedics get just because, I mean, we're out there, we're getting our asses handed to us every night. Um, we're there to help people and there's some grace that we get. So sometimes there's decisions that we make that are complete judgment calls. And I will credit some of the officers that I dealt with. Mm-hmm. They understood that. And so they mm-hmm. didn't come down on us sometimes when we made the right decision. I will say. Are you talking about police officers? Yes. or? Okay. I'm talking about um, my officers, uh, my officers in the fire department. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying too when police like join you with a case because you guys usually show up. There's together. yeah, typically we don't get along, but whenever yeah. there's whenever it gets serious, <laughs> it's a and lot there's, of drama. I've heard yeah. about this rivalry. What's that about? Well, I have a theory, but go ahead and well, say why it really is. Well, pl- <laughs> here's what here's here's why I could never be a police officer because I want to go in and help people, and those guys all they have to do all day is tell people what they're doing wrong. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a major difference whenever there's a crime scene and the police pull up and the public's like, oh, here's the fuzz. And they throw out all these derogatory terms and start throwing ice at them or something like that. And then the firefighters show up and they're like, hey, hey, they're going to protect us. You know, right. let, let's be cool to them. And everybody's right. like, OK, all right, firefighter. Yeah, we'll listen to you. It's so interesting because I have a similar experience and not that I'm exciting by any means, because I really do appreciate a lot of the work that our officers do. And they have really been a really strong community partner. But I notice every time I go in, the firefighters are like, what's going on? We're talking about the medical. They understand my language. They know what I'm talking about. And we're getting in there and we're getting the job done. And then usually the officer shows up and is trying to direct authority and coming in here and saying like, basically the look on their faces, this case is bullshit. And why am I here? And they make that known. And there's been times where I've noticed things being said that are just really inappropriate things that you wouldn't say in front of a patient, no matter how big or small. But I've, I've noticed that that's sometimes happens pretty frequently. So it's, it's a job I wouldn't want to have telling people you can't do that all day long. Sure. Agreed. I can't wait to talk to one of them. On I actually have one for you. So perfect. You, you're just, you're just like <laughs> dropping and, guests off yeah, all over the place. I, I appreciate actually it. do. I was thinking about that the other day, but, we're talking about Adam right now. Yes. We'll talk about okay. Later. We'll talk about that later, and we'll we'll hear what he has to say about Adam. Too. That'll be awesome. <laughs> oh, it's so great. This will be good. And it's, be good. I don't need to be here for it though. Because like he's a good friend of mine too, and like he's awesome. But I just like we always give him so much flack about it too. We're just like. But yeah, I can't imagine a video going viral because a firefighter was a dick or something like that. Like so, the first day of fire academy, somebody asked. Uh, we were sitting in this auditorium, 25 guys, first day. Some of them had been firefighters in the past. Some guys like me had never experienced it. And somebody posed the question, like, what would you do if a, a patient tried to attack you? And I was like, am I allowed to fight back? And some, this, 
one of my favorite guys, I didn't know him until later in the academy, was like, have you ever heard of firefighter violence? I was like, that makes total sense. No, you hear about police violence as a crime all the time, but you never, ever heard a report about firefighter violence. Very true. Okay, I'm going to have to talk to Mark about this, but he just posted something, he's an EMT, about uh, the police showed up to his firehouse to teach them self-defense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you get taught self-defense? No, but I have been attacked by a patient before. Really? And it was just because they were in pain and shock or what? What was going on? Well, it was, um, she was, she called for shortness of breath. So we have these like maybe 25 categories of what people call 911 for. They call the dispatcher. The dispatcher puts it into 25, one of 25, uh, needs. And this was shortness of breath. So I showed up and this is three o'clock in the morning And she's on the ground yelling. And I don't want to turn this into a long story, but I told her, ma'am, you're obviously able to breathe. What's really wrong? Because you're yelling. You're shouting at me. So you can breathe. What's going on? Yeah. (laughs) And she thought she, I was, I was not having my best customer service day at that point. Um, And she said, well, just get over here and take my blood pressure. I was like, all right, I'll do that. Stand up. Uh, She's like, help me up. And I was like, I'm sure you can stand up on your own. So she did. Uh, And then she took... I'm going to make this a long story. She threw some pencils at me. Um, threw some pencils at you? You called her out. Well, it gets better. So she <laughs> I'm throws... I'm having a panic attack. No, pretty no. much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was I right? Yeah. Oh, man, so she's she, she gets up and she's bad-mouthing me, uh, throws some pencils at me. And I, by the way, we paramedics always run around. There's two of us. That's why they call us paramedics because there's a pair of us. Uh, and my buddy Dave, who's a, he's 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 one of the most experienced guys on the department. He put up with me, trained me. I need to somehow buy that guy a gift for just having dealt with me for as many years as he did. He was my partner that day night. Um, she threw the pencils. He's like, "Ma'am, that's we're here to help you." Uh, and then she grabbed a pair of scissors. And I was like. And just to diffuse the situation, I was like, are you going to stab me with those scissors? And she's like, she just looks at me like, I don't know what she was thinking, but I think she was like, yeah, I'm going to decide not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing you called her out on it. Right. And she had a personality disorder. Um, Oh, well, that's the majority of the population that we deal with. That is, which we get into. But I was like, (laughs) oh, on top of. (laughs) So she threw the scissors down. I was standing in the doorway. Like I was standing literally in the doorway. Uh, And when she threw the scissors down, I said, Dave, we're leaving. And I reached down to get the bag. And she took the open door and slammed it. And I wasn't looking because I was reaching down for the big medic bag. And as I looked up, the door hit me right in the the eye and cut me like a boxer. And just blood just started pouring down my face. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So... I had to go get a couple of stitches for that one. That took off the rest of the shift. So, so a call to help someone else turned out into... It was my 23rd run of the day. So we had been making uh, more than a run an hour to that point. And I think we were going to set a station record if we would have... If I, I wouldn't have had to go to the hospital, uh, we would have set a station record. So that's not bragging. That's just like, it's an insane day. you yeah. know. And we ended with me getting cut open. What's your average day? Like, how many runs do you usually do? At that station, I uh, 12 is a minimum, 18 is a, 15 to 18 is a high, and actually that's before some things changed and it's gone up. As I talk to my buddies who are still there, the, the run volume's gone up recently because uh, that part of Dallas gets, it's gotten more intense. 
Um, but that was 23. I think the, the absolute city record, and the guys are going to call me on this if I get it wrong, is like 35 runs in a, in a single 24-hour shift. So they're just like going for broke, trying to see what they can do in a day at that point. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, you're not talking. I mean, when, when it's that many mm-hmm. runs, that, that almost assumes, you know, this is a person who called and doesn't need to go to the, amb- uh, to the hospital because the need's not really there. It's like, okay, ma'am, here's your problem. You need to do this. We got to go. You get back in the ambulance, you clear, you hit the clear button to say that you're back in service, and then boom, you get popped again for another run. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a frustrating day when you get that many calls. It, it, yeah, it means that you've been answering a bunch of BS all day. Jeez. I feel like I'm really giving away all the secrets. No, no that's I good. Think you're doing okay. fine. I hope so. You should keep going. So, <laughs> absolutely keep going. But if you, I have a complete aside that is a really stupid bro question but I'm very curious about it. So if I go to the bar and someone asks what I do and I tell them that I'm a logistician, their eyes glaze over and they could not give a fuck. <laughs> and I, I also don't give a fuck about explaining it any further. Right. You're like, let's um, not talk about this. Right. Exactly. And then I, I eventually start talking about a podcast and then they're like, well, obviously you have a big beard and glasses. So, and then they don't give a fuck about that either. So um, if you go to a bar with your fireman buddies and you are like, hey, I'm a fireman. Yeah. What happens? Is it all of the <laughs> pussy all of the time? Or wh- what is it? So I was a complete nerd when I started at the department. I don't believe it, but go ahead. Total dork. Total <laughs> dork. Uh something happened after I became a firefighter and I'm not going to say it was because I had, you know, like a, a Dallas fire t-shirt and a hat that I could wear around because I didn't like doing that. There was a complete, there was a change in my demeanor as a result of it. Um, cause I got to see what a lot of real men were really like, you know? So it changed my kind of my paradigm for what, you know, being a dude was. Um, but yeah, I'm going to tell, <laughs> I'll go ahead and admit on radio on record, like the game changed. And that's pretty much all you had to do. You just throw down your firefighter card. You're like, wow, you want to talk to me? Well, that's new, you know? Yeah. Interesting. And when you were talking about there being a different dynamic as far as you, um, maybe the paradigm for like masculinity in my mind. Right. Was it just because you saw yourself fulfilling that role and you were like, okay, this is legit. Or it's part of probably just basically living in this frat house of guys who all have one goal dude you're dead on absolutely it was for the first because i didn't i wasn't part of a fraternity in college right um and that's what i equate being a firefighter to is every third day uh when you work your 24-hour shift you're going to hang out at the frat house with a bunch of dudes some are fantastic like guys that i would obviously and literally die for if i had to Mm -hmm. um down to the most you know crass and you know adolescent 60 year old men that I've ever met, you know, but I mean, it's, it's all part of the same recipe. You know, those are, that's just the recipe for men sometimes. So I I learned kind of what bad masculinity could be and what good masculinity could be. But for me specifically, it was my eyes getting open to like all those versions. So it changed me. It changed me just being in the firehouse. And I, I, I'm glad for that. I'd assume it would. I mean, any job changes you, uh, even if you, are trying not to let it 
it's just, it's going right. to affect you in some way. So a job like that, I could see being very profound, especially yeah. doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was big for me. I got into it for the medicine part cause that's always been my interest. And I, most guys get into it for the firefighter part and they, they're forced to be paramedics and learn the medicine. I got into it for the medicine and I was inadvertently, you know, made a firefighter along the way. Um, yeah, but you know, it's so just real quick. That is why the police officers don't like you is because all of the pussy all of the time. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> but we can talk about I that. Mean, we other. asked you to take your shirt off without knowing. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's been like that for the last eight years. I, just, I get asked to take my shirt off everywhere I go. <laughs> but I mean, we'll let the, the police officers defend themselves shortly. I'm yeah, sure they have to carry guns because something else doesn't work. Whoa. <laughs> Roasted, (laughs) roasted. (laughs) So when you're talking about you became a firefighter on accident, I want to talk about that too, because we've already talked to to Mark about the EMT stuff. Um, What's what's actual firefighting like? Like there's a fire, you have to put it out. What's that like? So this is what I, so I went, I have a buddy who's a Navy SEAL and we went, we're good buddies uh, need to a, talk to that guy. There's Just a group of us. As an aside. But totally. Chad. Chad <laughs> probably the hit, the coolest guy I know. He'll never fess up for that. But he's a bomb tech. Uh, he's a firefighter now. But oh. before that, he was a, on a SEAL team. Yeah. Sounds hot. Sh- oh, dude. <laughs> he's so good looking. And I'll say that from one dude Is to another. single? No, no he's got Sorry. two gorgeous, oh. gorgeous I, kids. I feel like SEAL team is one of the few things that can easily trump firefighter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like they stop talking to the logistician, start talking to the firefighter, and they're like, (laughs) fuck a firefighter, SEAL team. Yeah, right. So the only thing, (laughs) this is a joke, the only thing that beats Navy SEAL is astronaut. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Oh, yeah, going to space. Yeah, that's pretty hot. So good-looking guy in a bar. (laughs) Okay, let's say Alex is in the the nodding donkey, and Alex is really engrossed with this guy who's good-looking. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in with a Dallas Fire t-shirt on. I think Alex might have her attention pulled. And I, I don't want to make this personally about you, but any, maybe any female would be like, oh, firefighter. And then some guy walks in with Are a, you allowed to walk in with the firefighter shirts on? Because I know military yes. people aren't allowed to walk in with their, like, It's kind of a faux pas. On. I think, like, mm-hmm. for you to walk in with any, like, accoutrement of your, of your profession is kind of like, uh, you know, this guy's showing off. Yeah, but so it I ha- works every time. It does. I had a rule against it. Like <laughs> I didn't. It's like a guarantee. Sure. So and, why wouldn't you do it? Well, if, <laughs> right. If if you've got a if you've got a decided goal that night for trying to pull as much ass as you can, then yeah, you're going to use every tool you have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. But so here in this example, Alex would have her attention pulled, and then the Navy SEAL guy walks in, and that's a total trump on the firefighter. And then the astronaut walks in. I don't think you have oh, any. No, like, there's no the way to beat that. And I would. And get Alex gets and be together forever. Right, sure. right. And Alex is the only female in the, the bar, soul. and she gets her, you know, her pick of the litter. You know, astronaut wins every Which, time. What bar are we talking to or about? Because like this, like never happens. Yeah. Like, Where do I go to meet astronauts? So, yeah, this is an uptown. It's the, probably somewhere in Houston. The handsome yeah. firefighter astronaut Navy SEAL bar. You don't go there. <laughs> Can you gave me the address after we're done for today. Right, yeah, we all hang out. <laughs> of course, it really sucks when the astronauts want to hang but out. But I'm though. wondering, mm-hmm. though, if I would be interested in the astronaut, just because, like, I'm a super space nerd, so duh. But, right. like, 
as a female, if you just like ask like an average female who maybe isn't as into like nerdy shit and she's just going based on appearance, I wonder what she would think. Because sure. I feel like she probably just picked the firefighter. Let's say they're all yeah. sevens as far as guys go. I think astronaut wins every yeah, time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's it's easily true. the most interesting thing because you're not. I mean, you've been to the moon. You've been to fucking space. <laughs> right. It's like. Okay, well, I want to hear about that for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Panty, panty dropper is yeah. like automatic. So, so yeah, there's firefighters, and not Trump, but it's pretty cool. It's, it's the barrier to entry, too. It's like you were probably a firefighter, or I mean, not a firefighter. You're probably a fighter pilot before you were yes, an astronaut. Totally. Which is also ridiculous. Totally. Totally. So, and yeah. if you look at it, these are all the things that little boys want to be when they grow up, right? Yes, it's so true. There's a hierarchy there. So what would be the female counterpart of that in terms Man. of... But you guys would just be like, whose tits are bigger and who's the best ass? There's I no feel like it would not be based Adam, on profession. do not answer this question, yeah. Adam. No, not only... Solidarity my, right now. Right, no. I'm not I feel gonna. like it'd be like, okay. I really feel like it would be the one with the, like, the purest heart or... Uh, Adam, look at this. Look at this volunteers. <laughs> such a lie. <laughs> He could totally mean it. Yeah, or totally if she has mean really good style, you know, she has like her own personal style. So, like the fashion designer or the fashion check would be like. That. Well, this is getting know. too personal. There's again, like, again, I was, making, I was making broad it was more comfortable when we could be braggy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, I'm what was not. the question? <laughs> oh, that's cute. I feel like just admit it. It's it would totally be based on tit ass ratio or some shit like. Look, that. I can only answer for myself, and it's the dark haired exotic girl who's really smart and in psychology. That's all I can. Well, that would be myself. So yay. I like your safe answer, but also <laughs> pineapple. Kind of with you. It's look. No amount of tits and ass can. Okay, I'm like, do I believe this right now? I do believe no, this. <laughs> I'm saying this because I know that you do not. So. No, seriously. No amount of tits and ass is worth putting up with. A some, stupid. I'm not getting into this too much. Okay, right now. This anyway, is a different podcast. This right. is a different <laughs> podcast, all right? I totally but seriously, no, it's not all tits and ass is what I'm going to say. It's definitely not. I thought it was like a one-track answer where you would be like. That definitely gets you in the door, okay? Man. <laughs> it's funny that we're the, con- well, this is our opinions too, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Okay, We've, anyway, sorry to go back to what we were talking about earlier. But I feel like this is, getting cut later. this is getting super dangerous. Super dangerous. I mean, we could. I feel like we would have another glass of wine before we start going. You're the it. only one drinking wine. Is that why? Yeah. That was that was a full bottle. Or, is that why you're yanking the cork out with everything you got? I don't have a lot of arm strength, Adam, okay? Let me take care of that for you. Should I take my shirt off? Whoa. Yes, while you're doing it. Whoa. <laughs> I'll pour you your wine. There's still plenty left. I'm glad. I, know. I really actually want to try some of that. Leave at least a glass, it. maybe? Okay, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> Are you judging my wine? No, I was just super around? looking forward to that specific bottle. But oh, why did you get No, you keep one? going. It's too late. Okay. I just want like half a glass okay. left at the end. Okay, I will save you some. Okay, thank you. All Anyway, we went down a dark path, and I apologize. Well, so fighting it. fires. Okay. I, fighting actual fires. Thank you, because there was a point I wanted to make. So I've watched Ladder 49 like most people, and I've watched um, whatever the other firefighter movie was. Uh, so I watched those. Or Chicago Fire, which is a fun show to watch, even if you're a firefighter. Is that the one with... Uh, okay, I like Rescue Me with... 
Okay. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. That's the, yeah, that's the one I was thinking <laughs> of. So here's the commonality with all the shows out there is those people can see across the room while they're in a building that's on fire. I've never experienced that. I've never That's a very that. good point. I've walked into buildings that are on fire and I literally can't see the hose that I'm holding in my hands. Whoa. Wow. Because it's that black and dark. And I just have to go for... You, you start relying on other senses like you try to see through the black for anything that's orange because orange indicates, you know, flame and you're feeling around for with your feet, which are in, you know, 15 pound boots that are fireproof for anything on the ground to make sure you don't fall over. Um, yeah, I've never been able to see across a room in, in any of the houses that I've gone into that are on fire. That's fucking terrifying. It is terrifying. Yeah, it's I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, usually I've got my officer pushing me into the room and that's not a prideful, you know, that's, that's an indication of how I don't really want to go further into the hot room that I can't see through. But yeah, it, it's kind of, it's like being underwater with your eyes closed. There's, it's hard to orient yourself wow. and you're trying to do something that's incredibly dangerous and necessary. Uh, what keeps you focused in that moment when you're on a mission and you're just trying to get the job done? Your training. I mean, you, what you're trying to do is you've got, I mean, there's, there's a certain amount of peer pressure that you feel about, you know, I've got to accomplish this because it's my responsibility mm-hmm. and I don't want to relinquish, you know, that responsibility. I feel like most men would go into like a, or like a fight or flight mode where your adrenaline is just so intense that you're just very like, have like tunnel vision or something like that. Is it's hard. Some, some of these, some of these homes that I've been in are hard to remember, but some of them really stand out. I don't know why one that was right off of Skillman stands out, but I was, I was at a station. I'd been sent to a station that was not my regular station because they had a shortage of men. Mm-hmm. So I was filling in at that station and we got a call at 1230 or one o'clock in the morning in a, in a more of a fluent uh, neighborhood. And, um, I was half asleep and that's one of the hardest parts is trying to go from absolute zero in consciousness to perfect focus, uh, in, in as fast as you can, some other dude can drive you there pretty much. Um, and we got there and again, the living room was completely blacked out. I was just trying to get oriented to where, you know, the target was, which, you know, Mm -hmm. where's the flame coming from? What do I need to extinguish? And it, it, it's almost, it is flight or flight or fight, but there's not really an option for flight because the chief of, you know, my district is behind me yelling at me to get the, you know, get the job done, get the fucking hose in there. Like yeah. what? You, what's taking so long? Um, you get in there, you start push, you push water on anything that's orange until mm-hmm. somebody tells you to stop pretty much. And then, and then it's still smoking probably. And there's, yeah, absolutely. There's still, you know, noxious fumes and plastics that are burning and that could absolutely give you cancer, you know, mm-hmm. for hours and hours and hours after, you know, the job's been done. Yeah. Um, so, but, um, but a lot of that, again, I got to hand it to your train, the training that they give you whenever Mm -hmm. you learn how to do this, uh, keeps you from thinking too much about what's really going on. Yeah. And and I think any, like my buddy, Chad, who's a seal would probably say the same thing. Whenever there's a firefight, you, you lean on your training and it sounds like a rote thing to say. But, but I think that's the best practice because if you didn't, what kind of emotions and other things would you be flooded with? You would mm-hmm. let all, if you open that door to all that other stimuli, like you wouldn't be able to do what you did. You're absolutely right. 
And that, so. that goes for firefighting. It also goes for a CPR, mm-hmm. you know, where you've got four guys in the back of an ambulance sure. trying to do all the things that it takes that the protocol says that we need to do to save a person's life. The same thing goes, you turn, you turn the whole thing into an understandable system mm-hmm. and fire academy and paramedic school are all about, you know, understanding the system well enough to where you can manipulate it or do what you need to, uh, in spite of, you know, any kind of emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. I have a personal question in that moment. And if you don't want to answer, it's totally fine. Has there ever been a time where you walked out of a situation and you were ever like upset with yourself? Like I didn't do what I was supposed to do, or I let something happen that shouldn't have happened or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I can think of one where there was a woman who was having trouble breathing and I was upset and, um, when I got her to the hospital and dropped her off, uh, I realized, man, I got my, I got my emotions entangled in that. Mm-hmm. And she could have easily had a, like an embolism that was causing her to have a shortness of breath. Wow. Yeah. And that's getting kind of medical. Um, but yeah, I let my emotions get in the way of, uh, that. And I'm thinking about if that ever happened on the fire side, because it really is two different jobs mm-hmm. that, that kind of overlap a little bit. Um, on the fire side. No, the fire side's kind of cut and dry. It never it never had the same emotional impact that the medicine side did. Is the fire side more team-based probably because you guys yes. probably more people come out to that. Absolutely. One thing that Dallas does is does well is throws manpower at anything out there. So if we get a we get an alarm that goes off for a fire, man, you're going to have Easily for even a false alarm, you're going to have 10 guys, 11 guys there. I can imagine that's what makes it easier to run into the smoking building. It's just that there's the other guy doing it too. Totally. Like here's, here's what we say. Don't, don't ever put the hose down. I had my one. So I was at a station, got called to a fire. I was the guy on the hose. I was my, it was my job because I was the first fire engine there so I'm supposed to go in with the hose. I put the hose down to put my gloves on so I didn't burn my hands off. And my buddy Brad grabbed the hose from me and took off into the building. And the chief was standing right there, and I was completely humiliated by it. And I told myself, I'll never fucking let that happen again. Because Brad wasn't a cool dude. You know, Brad was a chump. Brad was a dick, is yeah. what I wanted to say. But <laughs> Yeah, Brad did not deserve the hose. And I let him have it. And I did it in front of the chief. Oh no. So yeah. wait, wait. Okay. Can you explain this further? Is the hose like some kind of coveted? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you're, so it, let's say the fires in my neighborhood, uh, we're still going to get fire engines from other, other stations to come for assistance. But my fire engine got there first cause we were the closest one and I was in the back of the engine. So my responsibility was the fire hose. Okay. Um, I grab the fire hose. I pull it around the back of the house. I'm about to go in the house. I realize, okay, I got to put my, my, my chief's yelling at me, like get in there and I've got to put my gloves on. So I set the hose down and my buddy Brad comes running up with his gloves already on, grabs the hose and takes off into the house. And gotcha. I just, I committed the cardinal sin of firefighting. I gave up the hose. Hmm. I hope that explains it well enough. So is that like <laughs> Brad gets to go in and get the glory now of... Absolutely. Okay. And I remember going in behind him and trying to figure out if I could get the hose from him. Like if I could get it back, if that makes sense. But so I didn't. So then it became you like see, a male... Com- 
it's like a male competition. Oh, it's like so, it's so ego driven. It's so ego driven, and that was I also new to me. More about that because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, from the psychology yeah. standpoint, like what is the value <laughs> system? Like what constitutes a hierarchy or a value yeah, system? Exactly. Yeah, there's there's something a lot like that in uh, supply chain and logistics. Um, there's definitely fucking not. <laughs> I was just about to say, I was like, Josh is trying to like, really <laughs> I was going to let you go down there. <laughs> nah. <laughs> well, and, and I, I don't want to glorify what I do because there's, I mean, you're always looking up at somebody else. Like, I don't know what it's like to go into combat. Like my buddy, Chad, my buddy, Chad was going in with Navy SEALs to clear out homes in Iraq. You know, mm-hmm. that's such a different level. It is. And it's something I'll never experience. But yeah. I mean, any, any guy working at, you know, Amazon is wondering, God dang, what's it like to be a firefighter? You know, No, I'm sure. I mean, to some level though, to give yourself credit, like you do, you know, have a, there's some, some, something about it that can, you can relate to well, that. I'm sure most people can. Well, so absolutely. I will never, even though I don't do it anymore, I'm not a firefighter. Uh, I don't work for a fire department anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I am so grateful for the season of my life where I didn't do it as well as some guys that I know mm-hmm. because I, I get to tell my kids like, Hey, I, you know, mm-hmm. dad is a firefighter. You know, if you want to do something like that, let me talk to you about it. So there's, there's a huge amount of value even in, I guess what I would sometimes perceive as a failure because I didn't see my career out. Um, you probably hear my voice breaking as I say that. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there's something to that. There's something to that. I served a purpose. I know I did some good while I was in it. Absolutely. Uh, and I learned a lot about myself in the process. I mean, seven years of doing it, you confront a whole bunch. Yeah. yeah. So this is maybe too much of an aside, but given that I have both of you here, something really interesting to me is happening a lot lately and the office life, as a guess. What with all of the recent events and everything, you have all of this macho posturing that takes place with people whose shoulders are hunched forward and their spines are all curled up from being in front of keyboards all day. And there's all of this, like I'm saying, just posturing that's going on about like, oh, if I was there, I would do this and stuff like that. And you can tell there's this weird guilt that is there mm-hmm. because they know that they can't relate to that situation at all. And they're just kind of grasping like, oh, I, you know, they're just kind of looking for something. And um, I don't know, talking to guys like you, it's like you guys are, you and other people that I talk to, it's, you guys are the only people who really know. And uh, so you saying that you have guilt over quitting and everything, you should see some of the guilt that is in my workplace. Not that any of them are bad people. I'm just saying that <laughs> totally I've not. had so many weird conversations lately because of all these horrible mass shootings and everything and all these people talking to me about, oh, I'm going to start carrying and whatever. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's just interesting to hear the conversations that they're having, really not with me, but with themselves. Yeah. As far as like a, they know that there's some part of their, I don't know what to call it. There's I guess. a missing piece. There's, there's a missing piece there for sure. Not being fulfilled. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, you, it's so transparent to me. Um, but you, yeah, I see that all the time. So yeah, don't feel guilty at all. Is what I'm saying. I understand that no. you you would because you know you're you're leaving this this uh, fraternity really, 
of guys that you you know had your back and you had their back but i'm just saying it could be uh could be a lot worse could be that <laughs> it could be that <laughs> yeah so me personally i feel like god's watching out for me i mean i didn't die i saw some guys die i was at the, some fires where guys didn't make it and um but also on another i mean i know he's got a purpose for that season that i was in i mean i i need to be able to speak that language because now what i do is i try to with my job currently at the hospital, um, my role is to help those guys who still want to do that job. Um, I get the hospital's resources to reach out to those paramedics and make their lives better, hopefully, um, and speak a language that, that only gets spoken by the guys who have done the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like, and this is, I'll just make a personal like addendum to this, Like I feel like cultural these days has really emasculated men and taken away our abilities to go to battle. Um, like if you talk to a guy, I feel like men are made to go to war and die. And I, it might be an extreme comment for most people, but you know, the way, how dare you Adam? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if we talk about honor systems, I mean, honor was gained by fighting, losing an arm. You know, that was, that was the honor system back for thousands of years. So now with our modern conveniences, it's, it's, um, that's, that's taken away and guys are looking for their fight. I feel like they're looking for their battle to go off and win. It's, uh, it's not for everybody. And of course there's always outliers, but I can tell you from my perspective, like I had to join a boxing gym in order to fulfill that void. Absolutely. Because I sit down all day under fluorescent lights and maybe that some aspect of that is maybe just humanity and not necessarily masculinity of just being like what the fuck am i doing i'm sitting down all day this is not normal i have knees and arms and like i'm supposed to move around um and just being stagnant all the time like watching yourself transform into something that's like not completely human where you just like like i said the shoulders slunch forward and yeah all this stuff that's not conducive to actual physical labor and so in order to reverse that i had to go to a fight gym yeah and that's the first time that i felt like myself since like college totally i know you guys are gonna bro out over this conversation <laughs> oh there's but a girl wait, in the room i forgot there's wait a girl no in the room. i have a really great point to add and i know because <laughs> i was just like watching the dynamic in front of me but um i agree with you i think that you know males have been and it's actually less attractive to women i will say that personally that's where this came from by the way is realizing oh god yeah. Girls aren't well, attracted and to And here's the deal is on a like a psychological perspective, if we're talking about like from an evolutionary basis, like there's an innate need to protect and to feel a part of a community. And when you take that like biological need away, um, I think that people have to try to fulfill it in other ways. Yeah. And then they feel lost and confused, which is probably why most guys in Josh's Josh's office is saying like you know, why am I not doing this and having that immense amount of guilt is because even though they're not doing it, there's always an internal desire there to want to fulfill that. And so when you're looking at it from that perspective, I feel like it's so relevant and it's just a shame because I feel that, um, you know, there's always this like, oh, well just, if a male's like super dominant and whatever, then they're like, you know, that's just so aggressive and whatever. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way. I think a man's supposed to be a man and do his thing. Like, I don't understand why you 
You guys have turned into such pussies. Almost girls. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say it, but I didn't want to. I'll say it for you. Because How I don't want to say dare you, Alex. <laughs> I like that you've tapped into like this sensitive side or whatever you want to call it. I feel like that's the worst way to describe it. I love that you're trying to be transient in your gender and trying to you know, embrace other things that are outside of your norm. But at the end of the day, that's like if I was to go to like Josh's fight gym, right? Like, would you be like, oh my God, that girl, like it'd be There's cool. There's a lot of girls in my fight okay, gym. Okay, but like it'd be cool. And they're pretty cool. But okay. No, it'd go be ahead. cool, <laughs> but like honestly at the end of the day and not to like degrade because they sh- they probably could kick my ass right now if I'm saying this. Absolutely. But like, at- <laughs> I've got a few people in mind. But- okay. But at the end of the day, I'm just using that as an example and it's probably really stupid, but like at the end of the day, is that really what you would find attractive in terms of like how a women's supposed to be or so so how you see women the fact that you're asking that question i feel and the fact that we're we're discussing me and uh josh we're talking about what we're talking just lends credence to the argument that uh gender roles are starting to meld yeah and we're starting to come toward a a middle ground and that's not a bad thing well man i don't know it's just very weird no there's it is, and it's just the times that we're in. Like Dude, I can't. I don't even know what to say. I'm just gonna let y'all go. I can't. I can't blame a guy for going and making a ton of money as being an IT executive because what he's doing. Oh no! Is, but he's still in a power role. I'm sure, saying that doesn't take away his masculinity. So so exactly. So it's. I'm it's saying just when the, you're trying to pretend we've reshaped what masculinity is. It definitely takes away some of his humanity. Is yes. what I'm arguing for sure I, because. Absolutely. When you're in a position of this weird pseudo power where your power only exists in that little realm and then you go for the rest of your day outside of that realm mm-hmm. where you're this hunched over weakling. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he's not, but I'm just saying what I've seen. Um, then there's this weird confusion that takes place. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, oh, every guy has to be this weird caveman that like goes no. around and that like grunting at well. shit and punching things. No. That's but I'm jail. just saying, like, <laughs> if he's fulfilling his weird, stereotypical gender role by mm-hmm. being in this position of power, he's not going to be fulfilled. Oh, and I then he'll be probably a huge dick. I mean, there's everybody who's on the spectrum, right? So you have guys who are maybe more towards the feminine side than masculine. And I'm just breaking it down to, like, a counterpart for people to understand. But at the same time, like, there's always that, that innateness that we have and... I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it gets stunted because we're like, well, why can't this, you know, child who, you know, why can't my child play with Barbies? I'm like, does a child want to play with Barbies? Because that's a different story. Absolutely. Go ahead. You know, if we're talking about a little boy who wants to play with Barbies, I don't know. I had a Barbie phase. I'm just going to admit that right but, now. I remember. I have <laughs> But if we're talking about the latter where the parents like exposing and saying you need to acclimate to different gender roles and play with Barbies because you're a dude, to me, that just feels very unnatural. Hmm. I don't know. Eh, I think. Mo- Am I just like Let's breaking just, it down to a different like. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're you're not saying anything ridiculous, but uh, it's just shit. Yeah, we need like we training. need a different podcast for this. One hundred percent. No, no, like it's fine. This, it went down this road naturally. And you follow it. You're doing you're doing your job right now, so you do your thing. Well, let me see if I can I can lend a little bit because I was mm-hmm. I was a, a a white suburban kid mm-hmm. with 
very little masculine influence in my life when I was growing up. So, um, I somehow ended up in the most masculine, one of the most masculine roles you can be in. And it completely shaped my life, completely changed it. Uh, I had a hard time functioning in it. Um, it was, it was, there was such a learning curve for me because I hadn't had that prior. And I remember like, uh, some of the guys, I was like, man, just seeking to understand how they could how they could exist how they existed and admiring them you know mm-hmm. and wanting to be like them so there's a guy named Vaughn Williamson who could have I mean he was a father figure to me uh, great guy uh, I'll eternally be grateful for you know what he did, was in my life even though he didn't intend it um, when I had to leave the fire department because of just a lot of conflict and, and needing to be uh, more of a provider um, I had to step into the business role, which I never, I said I would never be a part of. Mm-hmm. I would never be a business guy because my dad was a business guy. Mm-hmm. And I saw how corporations, you know, sucked his soul away. Mm-hmm. But I went ahead and did it. Anyway, um, I don't think there's, I feel like the best thing you can be is encompass the full spectrum of what it is to be, uh, of all those things. Like a guy who's in, I feel like we're getting into, and we're all, I think we're all like mid thirties or, you know, early thirties right here. So maybe this is the topic at hand, but the best thing I can be at least is able to encompass, you know, punching a guy's lights out because he said something offensive to a girl, even a girl that I don't know. Um, and also being able to talk to a girl or my son about my feelings and how conflicted I am and how I don't understand what's really going on, but I'm okay with that. So anywhere in between, I feel like that's complete manhood. Um, being able to go into a burning building, being able to shoot a guy because he's a threat to somebody else or even myself. Um, but, you know, liking Sarah McLaughlin songs also. Yeah. <laughs> and I just throw that in because I've, I've met her on accident. Adam, so. that was so profound. And then you said the Sarah McLaughlin, and then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Because it was so great. No, I think that's so great because it really is a balance because like I'm like always preaching about emotional intelligence and I feel it's really hard for me with men because I'm like, I feel like to an extent, like I want you to understand, but I know that your mind processes things differently and that's okay. And like for myself as a woman, like I think that that's okay to accept that, you know, things aren't, uh, like, you're not on that same wavelength, and that's fine. But I think that's cool that you're challenging yourself to even want to understand and wanting to teach that to, like, a next generation. I think that's really awesome because I feel like a lot of people feel very stuck in those roles. And so that's really great. Thanks. That you're on that I think the good thing that's come out of all this uh, recent conversation about roles and such is that you're if you're an outlier that's fucking fine Mm -hmm. like if you're if you're the different thing if you're the thing that is maybe not standard sure that's okay Mm -hmm. sure um i think where things get into confusing grounds is people who are what is uh i suppose normal or average Mm -hmm. uh when they start feeling like wait are you saying i'm not supposed to be the way that i feel like i should be Mm mm-hmm that's where it gets like, okay, well, don't, pull, don't tell people who, are a, who do fall into, I guess, the norm in this bell curve. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them that they shouldn't be that way either. Absolutely. Yeah. So as long as you don't get to where you're just being a dick, 
and you can be who you are Don't be an and it's asshole, okay. But always be yourself. But what I'm talking about <laughs> as far as like the office thing, the most extreme example that I saw of it was recently on Veterans Day. I guess that wasn't very recent. I don't know. I guess a few months ago. Still um, the most recent. You're, yeah. you're saying your most recent experience. Yeah. Um, we went into this big auditorium and I come from a military family, so I'm like, this is not foreign to me, like military events. However, what is foreign to me is being around a bunch of uh, normal civilians. I was never not a civilian. You know, I was just with a military family. But you know, being around a bunch of civilian families who are talking about military things. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of these people talking about Veterans Day and having this big auditorium full of people talking about it and just seeing how very obviously guilty people felt. Mm-hmm. That was so weird to me. And maybe that's hard to explain, but that was so, so weird to me. No, I see that. Um, I, I do see this, stuff like that. Like guys, are you talking about men? Mostly, yes. Mostly men? Yeah, see that? And that's what supports this, this thought because I've seen the same thing. Like I remember telling guys I'm a firefighter and all of a sudden their eyes drop. You know, they start looking at the table. Just or like, oh, shit. Shrink. And they feel yeah. like emasculated or something? Well, it's not, like, it's not a comparison thing, but they look, I, I can see them searching their souls for this like, what can I say that's tough? Well, no, again, because I was about the boxing gym, right? No, that would, that would that's be comparison. No, I see them. I see them looking into themselves. Like there's something that I haven't met that I'm intended for. Like there's something that I'm intended for that I haven't realized. And I feel bad for those guys because, um, there's probably some dream that they gave up on too. a lot of times. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be the first one to admit I gave up on being a fighter pilot. Um, but yeah, I think it's exactly what it is. And, and it's society has taken away. Like I, I think my comment was society has taken away the battles that we, that men can fight. I should write a book about this because I think it affects men. A lot of deeply. people have taken it away for themselves. Like I, I admittedly did. Like there was, you know, every kid goes and they're like, Oh, I want to do this or that. Or, and logistician is never on the list. Eventually at some point I heard a professor say, logisticians from North Texas make the most money out of all of our graduates. And I was like, well, I'll fucking do that. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> that, that was my decision making. Right. Plus my dad, uh, after the military, he ended up going into supply chain uh, and logistics in particular. I want to confront that thought because you said you, you saw that that makes the most money and you equated that with that will, that will meet a need that will prove something about who I am. And so you accepted that, and you said yes to that, and that was a decision that made a lot of sense right then. Yeah, because quite honestly, I mean, guys who make a ton of money, like Mark Cuban, he's a flabby white guy. You know, I'm not going to go into battle with that dude. That's true. But he makes a ton of money. That's true. Okay, so Mark Have Cuban, you in, or you that? enter a room, <laughs> astronaut enters a room. What Trump's astronaut? Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban does totally. <laughs> like Mark yeah. Cuban obviously does. Nope. Oh, let's ask the woman. No, not for you. Let's okay. ask the woman in the room. No. I'm just saying, as far as like a dude, the dudes would probably back down and right. just be like, "Fuck it, it's Mark Cuban." No, I mean, like he would be like cool <laughs> to like socialize with, just because like he's Mark Cuban and he's you know whatever. Yeah. But like in the end of the day, like that's not a mat. Like you being like the head of an organization, like that's cool. But at the same time, and like the fact that you're flaunting money or that you're being, you know, like you're being macho just to be macho and just to use that as a tool. Like mm-hmm. girls can see through that. It's the 
genuineness I feel of like wanting to do something that's like really awesome I don't know maybe I'm just a weird girl so I don't know I think you're asking an outlier you're the authority in the room (laughs) we're gonna have to go with this is true but um I don't know for me personally I would like want to associate and like talk to him but I wouldn't ever be like oh I'm gonna pick you over every other guy who's like done something really cool and has been like a certain role of like awesome and has that intellect why sure i mean he'd probably be interesting to talk to but at the end of the day he's like i'm gonna you know probably pull the supermodel because i can because i have money and why wouldn't he right yeah. but at the same time is that that's like i think Mark like Cuban's a married like, man and i'm sure he's very loyal he is, is but, he yes he is oh i have no idea With i was children. just making but i see your point no. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? i'm just okay but do you really know what he does in his personal life though uh ran into him one time with my friends and he wanted nothing to do with us <laughs> so i'm nothing saying, to do with us know. and i'm pretty sure he was just like hey well, what I'm does his just, wife do because i'm curious no never I've, mind that's a sidetrack <laughs> <laughs> i'll find out but anyway like what i was saying is or like somebody who's like mark human would probably sidetrack to no, Maybe. was I think, that a really shitty point? No, we're using <laughs> we're using the word Mark Cuban as, uh, as yeah, a placeholder. It's more of a symbol it's here. More of a symbol. This dude's a billionaire. Yeah, but, like so. if some like squirmy billionaire walked into the room who was flaunting money just to do it to pick up chicks and had a you know superficial motive, he's going to attract the superficial girl. It's just natural that that like attracts like. Hmm. That's what my point was. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, I didn't, Mark. Re- I didn't mean to drag your <laughs> name through the mud. Sorry, Mark Cuban. Please don't shut us. He's never no going to come on my podcast now. <laughs> Damn it. Or he needs to come I here to defend so himself. I'm so sorry because I'm sure he's the outlier to my shitty like generalization that I just made about yeah. all billionaires. So sure. anyway. let's let's use Jerry Jones, the other sports team owner, oh, who is God. not Yo. who's a lush. Ew. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Because I have a per- I have it personally out for that guy. I hate him. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, I respect he's coming on him. next week. This is really awkward now. <laughs> I don't even. I mean, hope he doesn't I, listen to this one. I respect him for the franchise. Obviously, that's pretty awesome. But at the same time, just like on a personable level, I don't know. Let's not bury the lead. Anyway. You're talking about. You're- I'm a I'm a Giants fan, so obviously, not <laughs> the Cowboys. You're. You're speaking to... How do we even deviate this conversation to sports teams? I feel bad for your editor. (laughs) No, it's fine. We're going to probably just let it ride. Um, In its entirety? Probably. We'll edit out some last names and that'll be it. Okay. Jess is like, Alex went on three different tangents. So you guys want to know what I do now for a living? Yeah, Yeah. real quick. Let's hear it. We're we're like close to the end of our time, but what do you do now? All right. I'm going to try to do this like the elevator speech. So now I left the fire department and uh, I tried to do medical device sales. And that was pretty rough because it's demanding, demanding, demanding uh, industry. Um, but in the midst of doing medical device sales, a friend of mine called me who was an administrator at a hospital and said, Hey, we've just lost the person who does outreach to the EMS agencies. Uh, we don't want to lose the EMS volume. The guys who bring us patients, would you be willing to go and do that? Because we know you speak the language. We thought about hiring another nurse to do this, but they don't speak the same language as firefighters and paramedics. Could we hire you to go and do the outreach portion so that these guys feel like we're a facility that appreciates and um, values them? And so that met my three criteria, which were being 
outside of a building because I can't be in a building for more than eight hours. Um, Good call. Trust me. Being in the medical industry was another requirement and being relational. Those were my three requirements for whatever I was going to do. And those, that met all of them. And I was like, absolutely, I'll do it. I'll take a pay cut. I'll do it. So I worked for a hospital and did the EMS outreach and um, was successful. Um, and then they cut their EMS outreach program, which pretty much meant cutting me. And I found another hospital that was trying to do the exact same thing. And so now I'm employed for my, at my second Dallas hospital doing EMS outreach. Um, my customer is the paramedics who bring patients. And um, I use a model that I saw when I was in medical device sales, which is just being in front of their face and trying to convince them that uh, we're the place you want to take. We're the place you want to purchase, in effect. Like my product is the emergency room. My customers are those paramedics. And I'm doing whatever I can to let those guys know that, uh, to convince those guys to bring patients to us. So. So I, I still get to talk to my buddies. Um, I'm on the administrative side. I sleep in my bed every night, which is great. Work. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> That's a big upgrade. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing I miss the most is kicking indoors. Yeah. And the guys, you know, being yeah. around the guys every night and watching baseball at 7.15 every night after dinner with the guys in the living room. But, you miss your bro time. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's the equivalent of me drinking wine with my friends. So I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Aww. So no, it's great. It's great. It's absolutely great. I'm in another realm and I really like it. And, uh, I get to bless those guys that want to continue doing this job and want to continue. That's awesome. Taking the, the proverbial bullets every night, all through the night. That's the best possible transition that I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so we actually have to wrap this thing up. No. This no, this has <laughs> been good. We could do another one. I don't give a shit, but uh, I have to close this one here. Um, Ryan ends every episode now with an original song. Uh, do you have a preferred genre of music? Is, hmm. it, is it McLaughlin? <laughs> so I met Sarah McLaughlin... At the Fairmont Hotel in Dallas, I told her, man, does anybody ever tell you you look like Sarah McLachlan? <laughs> she was like, she walked up really close, like uncomfortably close for a stranger. And, and said, she was like, you're a firefighter? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> Deal. I wish that would have been the case. But I was like, she said, I am. And then I completely spazzed out. <laughs> yeah totally i started pulling up youtube videos and i was trying to explain to everybody else why i was freaking out um no let's uh i thought about that what's my theme music and i think it would be uh some corn song corn holy shit that, that just yeah. came out of this is mind. a curve ball <laughs> Josh Let's see. I don't know. Josh, I what did you think he was gonna say? I had no. I definitely not that. Yeah. yeah. But I'm. I'm digging it. Let's see. I don't or know. Some, some breaking Benjamin. Like we're gonna go off and he wants really intense hardcore. At the end of this, music. I want dudes to be like, yes, what he speaks is truth. I'm about to go. Like I'm gonna go punch a he hole in the brick like wall. He wants like a drop the mic song, but like with yeah. a headbang. Yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't whatever know what Ryan's going to make of that, <laughs> but I'm so I'm really pumped to hear whatever that is. Yeah, cool. That's so cool. okay, uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. 
Here's a song by Ryan Harris.
What? How good was that episode? Did you enjoy it? Because you should totally have enjoyed it. Can you beat this podcast? Probably not. What you can do is give us a five-star rating on iTunes uh, and tell your friends about us. Or don't, you know, just keep listening to us. That's cool, too. Also, tacticalmeal.com. Use the code COUCHCAST. Save yourself 10% on the finest Kydex wallets. Do it. Or don't. Whatever. If you hate your money, I don't know. I don't know who you are. I don't know your life. And make sure you listen to the next episode. Thank you so much.